Hi there, and welcome to the Rash Cast. I'm Jake. And I'm John. Uh, today is Sunday, September 8th, 2019, the year of the cat, I guess. I don't know. Uh, the Nationals, for the first time in, in what feels like a very long time, had a very rough week this week. Uh, yeah. They went two and five. It's, it's interesting because they had a very rough week. But they had the two wins that they had. One was exhilarating, and the other one was uh, affirming in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had a tough week. They went two and five. They lost three of four to the Braves, pretty much putting the division completely yeah. out of reach. I think before we start, though, I think we should talk a little bit about that game on on Tuesday, because sure. there aren't many games like that. Is you're not wrong. It was a rough week. But that was just, you know, a, an incredible game. Um, I am in New York, so I was blacked out for it. But I got home right for the bottom of the ninth inning, and so I turned on SNY and just listening to their broadcast, just talk about it. You know, it was, it was just so hilarious. And also, it's, it was the amazing thing about it is how that they everyone said, "Oh, the Mets season's over." On a road trip where they went four and two. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the Nats weren't able to sustain the momentum and lost the next day kind of. Yeah. It was. I mean, it didn't feel like. I don't know. I I feel like a lot of the reaction to that game was sort of overblown in the sense that people were were like expecting this to be a springboard to greatness or or whatever, as if it was more than one game. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'll. I'll be the first to admit that I thought it was significant for the Mets. I thought, given yeah. where they were uh, in the standings, that they obviously couldn't afford to lose a game like that. But to lose one in the fashion that they did, I, I thought that was it for them. Uh, to the credit, they came back the next day and they won. But they're yep. still, you know, they're still three back of a, a four back of a playoff spot. Playing as we're recording right now, they're down four, um, so they might lose today end up being five back or um, or four back still. But right, it's... The Cubs yeah. are still going to lose. I mean, it's not it's not out of the question. It's not so much how many games back they are as the fact that they've got two teams in between them and that playoff spot. You know, yeah, and as well, Cubs. you know, it was also symbolic of, a, of their season. You know, Edwin Diaz comes in and just, you know, implodes. Yeah, and he like blew he another also, one on Friday. It's just... Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Like, his stuff is all there. He's still striking out 14, 15 per nine. He just... I mean, he he hit 100 miles an hour on that fastball to Suzuki. Yeah. Stuff still looks electric. It's just... It's getting hammered all the time. I mean, it's... And it's his home runs that are the problem with him. Yeah, he has uh, tied the major league record for home runs allowed in the ninth inning in a season. Which is just... I mean, you would make sense. It would make it would make sense given that it's 2019 that that record would be tied this year, uh, given that every single home run record is being tied or broken this year. But uh, for it to be Edwin Diaz, it's just it's shocking. Weird. I mean, Edwin Diaz had took a huge step back. Blake Trinan took a huge step back this year. Not nearly as bad as Diaz, but he's been removed from the closer's role after being so good last year. I don't know. It's kind of strange. You know, those two guys last year looked so legitimate, and it's just kind of weird to see them all take a step back. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, 
Trinan, with a a history of meltdowns and with the workload that he had last year, you could sort of yeah, you know, it wouldn't have been surprising to see him take a step back. I don't think anyone expected him to do this poorly, given mm-hmm. how amazing his stuff is. But yeah. Edwin Diaz, Diaz threw seventy three innings, but the the Mariners were very careful with him. They hardly ever used him for multiple innings. I think they only did once last year. Uh, mm-hmm. And he comes into this season. He's not especially, you know, a lot of the sort of hypothesis as to what's happened with bullpens around the league is that pitchers have been taken out of sort of reasonable roles and they've been used sort of in these bridge roles that have, uh, you know, had them throwing multiple innings and that's sort of uh, caused them to have to redline longer than they've been sort of capable of doing and that's caused mm-hmm. a big step back. But that's not true with Diaz. Diaz no. was a traditional closer last year uh, and the stuff is still 100% there. It's just, I mean, he's got a 588 ERA. He's striking out a career high 15.4 per nine. It's just crazy. It's just the hottest homers. thing. Yeah, it's only it's fourteen home runs this season. That's yeah, it's very well, strange. So that's that was that game. I mean, but outside that game, the Nats lost two or three to the Mets. They lost three or four to the Braves. You know, but as you said today, put it looks like it puts us back on track a little bit. The offense looked good, which against the Braves, I think the Braves just do really good event scouting against us. They just look like they have our number just every way because these aren't games that we're you know, necessarily playing all that poorly. There are some mistakes uh, that we made this week that we hadn't made for a while. But they just look like they outpitch us slightly. They, you know, put a, their offense just works in just key moments. I mean, Josh Donaldson is just really good right now. He's so hot. Uh, it's just, you know, they look like their coaching staff – goes the extra mile in, in their preparation that the Nats don't really seem to have as much. I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, the Nats, you know, I've, we've heard lots of grumbling about their advanced scouting problems, especially in the playoffs. But it, it was weird because outside really of uh, Max Freed on Thursday, I don't think the, the Braves starters were particularly good just looked like there were a lot of mistake pitches that the Nats weren't hitting. Uh, and they just, they had a bad series. They're, they were due for one. Uh, it's, it's been since May 24th that they've really, you know, that this Mets series and the, uh, and this Braves series are arguably the, maybe you want to count the Braves series in July. Maybe you want to count the, uh, the Diamondback series in early August. But really, outside of those four series, they've done everything they've needed to in every single series since yeah. May 24th. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a bad time to cool off. But, uh, you know, law of averages, they were kind of due for two clunkers of the series. And obviously, yeah. the, the biggest takeaway from today is how good Max Scherzer looked. Yeah. Uh, He's still not off- as effective as I'd want him to be, but, you know, efficient, I mean. Um, well, his off-speed pitches weren't entirely there command-wise today, although he sort of locked it in after he gave up that double to Joyce in the fourth mm-hmm. uh, when he struck out uh, Swanson and Flowers uh, on 
beautiful on a beautiful slider and then a, a fastball to Flowers. His fastball uh, command today was so on point. They were just in that yeah. first inning when he, you know, painted 97 on the corner. It was just so sharp. Right. I mean, and that's frankly, you know, more important than is he all the way back with his command because he does still have starts to go before the playoffs. The question really is, can he dial it up and go 100% on every pitch like he's used to uh, without injuring his back? Mm -hmm. Uh, And today was a very good step in that direction because he looked like he was fully finishing the fastball uh, in a way that he hadn't been his first four starts. Uh, He was really... He was getting through the ball, which is so important for him because he's a high spin rate fastball type of guy uh, who really needs to get his entire body behind that fastball to get that rise, to have it be an effective pitch, to get swings and misses, uh, because he more than anyone else relies on his fastball as a swing and miss pitch. Uh, So a lot of encouraging signs from him. Uh, 98 pitches, 9 strikeouts, 6 innings, 2 hits, a run. Uh, mm-hmm. Both pitched to Matt Joyce, two yeah. walks. Uh, so I mean, it's a tough offense too, and yeah. it wasn't just Max Scherzer who was having his pitch count gobbled up by these guys. Uh, no, they, they were. I mean, they did it against Strasburg. They did it against Corbin. They did it, you know, all the series. They managed to work good at counts. And it I think a, that, it's a very good offense. They yeah, they have mm-hmm. great game plans at the plate. They have good, especially when Marcakis comes back, they have good left-right balance. It's a hard offense to go through three times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people talk about the Dodgers being a surefire lock for the one seed, but, like, I don't know. The Braves are certainly making some moves. The Braves are now three games back. The Braves have now gone 17-3 and three in their last 20. Yeah. Uh, I mean, People should probably be talking more about the Braves as a serious pennant contender. I know we're all up on the Dodgers, but the truth about the Dodgers is the thing that makes them so effective and so scary in the regular season is the incredible depth that they have. Yeah, and that's that's what's been for their entire stretch pretty much of greatness has been their depth. And the question is, is that as much of an asset in the playoffs? Not really. No. Uh, I wouldn't say that their frontline talent is so unbeatable that they have the the pennant sewn up. Uh, I mean, they have an MVP frontrunner who I actually, I've changed my mind on him. You know, if you look at Ballinger's numbers in the second half, he's batting like 260. Uh, you know, still good, but I don't know. I'd still probably give it to Yelich now, change my mind. But, yeah, I, I mean, know. the question is how much do you want to value those soft factors you know, yeah. playoff contention by the team and all that. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, but they've, got, they've, they've I mean, got Bellinger. Yeah, they've got, they got Bellinger. I mean, Muncie, we don't know what's going to happen with him. He's hurt. He's supposed to come back last week of the season. But you never know what kind of, you know, no rehab, no nothing. You don't know what kind of And especially with an injury like that, wrist, wrist hairline fractures are so hard to come back from in season. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I, I don't know. I don't know which team is more, you know, terrifying to see in a playoff round is the Braves or the Dodgers. I mean, especially the way the Braves have played over the last three months. I don't know. They've been, uh, you know, one of the reasons why the Nats haven't made any progress in the division is because the Braves have been keeping pace. Right. Well, now they've been doing more than keeping pace. They now have a 
better record than the Nats since May 24th. Should I buy that shirt? You should not buy that shirt. I don't understand why shirt. anyone would make that shirt, much it's less such... buy it. Exactly. I mean, that's a reference that's good for like a week and a half, and then <laughs> everyone no forgets sense. about it. Breaking tea is just like... I mean, they have some cool shirts. No, they make some cool shirts, but there's they're sort of need to jump in on every single trend that happens around baseball, no matter how minute. Like, it's just, it's so vulture-y. Yeah, I don't mean, I don't mind it. It's just kind of a silly business strategy. It's, I mean, evidently it works for them. They're yeah. still in business, but... Yeah, for now. Um, yeah. So, the Braves are very good. Uh, the Dodgers are very good. But you know who mm-hmm. else is very good? Or has He's been for good. us. Estrubo Cabrera. Um, yes, he, he has. Three RBI today. He's been great with us uh, as a national so far this year. Has an OPS over 1,000 as a national. 27 He's got RBI. And 88 plate appearances, which if you, if you put that on a 600 plate appearance uh, pace, it's 184 RBIs over 600 plate appearances. That's um, pretty remarkable. Yep. So, and something I noticed that I, I'm surprised not many people are talking about is that how Estrubo Cabrera has kind of taken over as the starting second baseman for the Nationals. Um, Brian Dozier has been kind of left off, you know, hasn't played much in September. He's had one start this month. Uh, it was on it, in September. Uh, he had, and he's just, you know, I'm just wondering going forward and looking towards the playoffs – Who's your starting second baseman in a one-game wildcard game? And well, I mean, Cabrera has started five of seven games this week. Uh, he started pretty consistently since he's come here. He started uh, really uh, of the Nats last uh, since he's shown up. Since uh, that game in Milwaukee, he started uh, all but four of the Nats games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and he's played amazingly over that stretch. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Dozier's been sort of sidelined. Matt Adams is in the midst of a, a two for 33 slump. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the Nats have a lot of fungible pieces in their middle infield uh, with Cabrera, with Kendrick, both of whom can play first or second uh, or third. Not that they're going to need Ho- to do that. Hopefully. Yeah. No, Anthony Rendon is too beautiful. He cannot get hurt. Encase him in bubble wrap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still, I still need him. They've also got Adams and Zimmerman. Uh, so it, it's not a lot of. I mean, it's it's really five guys vying for two positions. Uh, and they've got decent left-right balance in that mix. I mean, they've yeah. got uh, three righties. And they also uh, have Para, who I don't know if you mentioned. Well, yeah, he's not going to play first. In the... No. I mean, it's, I don't know at this point. Obviously, you don't want to plan for it because the Nats are going to have to win that one-game wild card before they can even talk about a real division series roster. And on a, on a one-game wild card, uh, as I think we said last week, uh, the Nats have a lot more flexibility with being able to roster as many uh, as many position players really as they need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there'll be a question, really. I mean, I, I got to imagine Parra still makes the roster even over Taylor. 
Uh, there's been some talk lately about that because Taylor is more useful as a pinch runner, defensive specialist type, and especially with Eaton's balky right knee right now, uh, you might need one of those. But mm-hmm. just in terms of what Parra has meant to this team sort of uh, on a team chemistry level, I don't think you want to mess with that by not rostering him in the playoffs. Uh, especially just given how little of an upgrade it'll be for Taylor. Uh, mm-hmm. But beyond that... Uh, Going you know, back to got, Cabrera and Dozier. Right. You've got this question of who starts and who makes the roster. Uh, I mean, I still think and, you roster Dozier in the playoff. Sure. I mean, so, you know, doing the thing I said we wouldn't do uh, <laughs> and talking about what a five- or six-man bench looks like in a division series, who would you put on there? And who would you have starting? All right. I'd start – I mean, I'd start Cabrera at this point. He's been too good offensively not to start him. Uh, and I, I plus like he's a that, switch hitter. Yeah, plus he's a switch hitter, so it doesn't really matter what – you know, who's starting that day. Um, I would put – I would – honestly, I'm starting Zimmerman from here out. I don't think Adams – you know, his, his bat's too slow at this point. You need... And Zim, you know, besides all the grounded double plays with the bases loaded, which every time the bases are loaded, he manages to come up and bat <laughs> and then ground into a double play. I don't know how it's always... It's it's always the case. I don't know. Anyway, so... I'm But I'm starting Zimmerman over Adams, even against righties at this point. Yeah, but I don't you've know. also got Kendrick. You also got Kendrick, but Kendrick can start once or twice a week at most. Well, I don't um, know about that in the playoffs. True. That is true. Remember, you've got, think... you got two games and then a day off. I think if you wanted to, you could probably ride Kendrick through the whole thing. I don't know. I think having a guy like Kendrick come off your bench is also incredibly valuable. You know, That's a guy in, in the seventh or eighth inning who can give you that one big hit. And then you could, like, you know, if you want to pinch it for someone, like, you know, if Jan Gomes is starting a game and you want to get that at bat, it's over Gomes. Although Gomes has looked a lot better over the last. 35 or so at-bats. And we should uh, mention, by the way, that Kurt Suzuki's MRI came back clean. Uh, yeah, he had some elbow problems. but That, that uh, worried me a lot because Tommy John for catchers is, seems very prevalent, and I was very yeah. concerned. But it's clean. That's good. Um, yeah. But uh, so I think, you know, Howie's a useful guy to have off your bench. I'd rather – he's been – I think he's a better pinch hitter than Zerman is. And, I mean, know, if, you wanna, speaking, if you want to talk career, I mean, Zimmerman has been a pretty phenomenal pinch hitter when he's had to pinch hit. Yeah. But I, I don't uh, know. I think, you know, Zimmerman's better defensively, too. That is true. So, I don't know. I'd rather have Zimmerman in there at first. Um, okay. So, let's go, let's say Adams on the bench, Kendrick on the bench, mm-hmm. Dozier on the bench, uh, Suzuki Gomes on the bench. Right. And then... Um, Para, that's five. Am I forgetting anyone? That's five. That's six, John. I said Suzuki Gomes is one person. Okay, hang on. Let's let's recap this. Adams, Kendrick, Dozier. Right, right. Gomes. Right. And Para. That is, yeah, that's five. That's five. Uh, okay. And you would you would start Zimmerman and you would start Cabrera. Yes, I I'd wish... start Zimmerman and I'd start Cabrera. You know, I it, wish, it makes your it makes your lineup a little bit righty heavy, but I don't think you know you have, you know, if Eaton's r- hopefully right by October, 
which he may or may not be. You know, that's a good lefty. And then you have Juan Soto. And then you have a switch hitter and ASCAP. And that's three guys who can bat lefty. Um, and I think, you know, you, you're you're set kind of there. I don't think, you know, Adams, especially lately, is worth starting him against righties. That's true. But I, I would really like to keep starting him intermittent. I mean, the Nets have a four-and-a-half game lead. Yeah, I, I think for the stretch run, spot. for the stretch run, I think you, got, you try to get his bat going and keep starting him. But I think yeah. if he, if the bat doesn't get going and he's still playing the way he is, though he's played over the last month, then I don't think you risk it. And I think you can go with Zim, who's looked pretty good since coming back. Yeah, that's true. Now, everyone keeps talking about Michael Taylor as the option if you are going to roster a a backup backup outfielder, a fifth outfielder, running uh, threat type. I don't know why no one's talking about Andrew Stevenson. Yeah, I agree. I think Stevenson, I mean, also off the bench this year, I've been really impressed with Stevenson's approach. He's had great numbers in AAA, although everyone has great numbers in AAA this year. Right. Um, But he's looked, you know, he's looked really solid this year in, in small sample size. And he can do all those things. He can... I mean, he's a very good defensive outfielder. He doesn't have the arm that Taylor has, but he's still very strong in terms of range. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. left-handed, which helps. Yeah. Uh, Although if you have para, para, then do you also have Stevenson? Right. I mean, I don't know. I don't Mm -hmm. know if all things being equal, I would roster para at this point, but you you kind of have to. Yeah. I, I would agree that you don't. You shouldn't roster Para, even though how fun he's been for us. First of all, the baby shark thing is not as fun when he's been terrible. No, no, it's not. Second of all, it, you can't, I don't know, for a guy who's been the he's, heart and soul of this team, it seems like a bad sign to not roster him. That's, I agree with that. I mean, I think that, I mean, you want and to he talk has about come, that. And he has come up big for us a lot this year. I mean, yeah. I mean, less recently. Less I mean, recently, he up, but he he came yeah. up big when he was hitting overall, and now yeah. that he's not hitting, he's not coming up big. But I mean, he is a veteran, which helps. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone. Frankly, this is frankly, at this point, Taylor is a veteran too. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and he's he's a guy who's all but certain to be non-tendered in the uh, the off season, given yeah. that you know even. Even assuming that he gets no raise, it's still another three and a half million dollars uh, for a guy, for a guy who's shouldn't be on the major league roster. Right. Uh, I mean, he's still got all five tools, but he displays them intermittently. Uh, speaking of, of Taylor, sort of, and Taylor's defense, uh, this is sort of a non sequitur, but you got to think that Victor Robles is going to be in that Gold Glove conversation. Oh yeah, I year. mean, you saw that play he made uh, Friday night. You know that throw he made. He's just, yeah. and I think you know he's probably in the front runner for it. I don't know what the voters think. Uh, well, who, who else would be in? Who, who else, else would be in, in conversation for it? Yeah, well, an outside fielder. There's I mean, no. I mean, yeah, it's funny no... though. It's funny how the season started, where he kind of was really rough in center field. And then, you know, he kind of, you know, it took time for him. I think that's kind of a good testament to who Victor Robles will be as a major leaguer. Well, it's another reason that I think he's going to sort of, 
I think a third-year, fourth-year guy, he'll be a great player. I think he's got more offensive ceiling. Yeah, uh, I think so, too. I mean, that that said, you know, I don't know if they de-juice the ball. I don't expect him to be a 20-home 20, 20 run guy like he's been this year. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, he's at 17, but, you know, rounding yeah, up. Yeah, around that, yeah. Right. I, I don't expect him to be that guy. Uh, but... I mean, frankly, I don't know what the hell they're going to do with the ball, which makes it so hard to scout. I just, I can't imagine having to be a scout this year. Uh, like, if you knew before the season that they were going to reduce the ball, you could have taken such a different approach. Like, you would have targeted guys who had a bunch of balls die at the warning track last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I can't really, you know, it's hard to evaluate players in a time where you don't know if that player's skill set is going to be, like, diminished greatly because they go with a lead ball. That's the problem with this whole thing, though. It's that they keep making these moves in secret. Mm-hmm. So no one, no one has any idea what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and frankly, it's why I buy that it's accidental. Uh, because if, the, if they were going to make these moves, if they were going to reduce the ball, you would expect them to tell teams about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to just sort of doing it completely haphazardly and having teams have no idea. Uh, so, I mean, I, I have no real problem with Dinger Ball aesthetically. Yeah. I think I we just, talked about this. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I'm, I know we're sort of rambling here. Well, we. Uh, we meaning me. Yes. I am rambling. So yes, I'm going to let you get us back yeah. on track. So I think, you know, with going forward... Looking forward to the next week, we have three against the Twins and three against the Braves. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from this next week. Hopefully, we will, you know, carry the momentum from today's game because today's game was a good was good signs. But I think you know overall this week there were a lot of troubling question marks that came up, especially with the bullpen. You know, guys like Hunter Strickland, Elias, you know, even Daniel yeah. Hudson. All those guys had really shaky weeks. Um, yep. And I think, I don't know, my confidence in this team dropped a lot this week. Well, yeah. Even, I mean, they did just about everything wrong this yeah. week. The bullpen really, I mean, especially the new guys, really yeah. just struggled immensely this week. And then Elias got hurt. Uh, but beyond that... Uh, they made a bunch of sort of small mental errors that they weren't making. Uh, they didn't seem to have great game planning against the uh, against the Braves starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, listen, Eaton came back. He still looks a little gimpy out there, but he's hitting. Yeah, you know, he had a homer impressive. Today. Yeah, it was impressive homer. Obviously, you don't know if that thing gets out in a normal. But ball we're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. Uh, but uh, so Eaton got healthy. The Suzuki news is positive. I mean, I don't know. No one really has a good bullpen. I mean, you look at the Braves this series. The Braves bullpen gave up, as I do the math in my head. Uh, yeah, two in, Friday, they gave up. No, it three, was eight runs. Eight two, runs. Yes. Two eight Thursday, runs three Friday. They gave up. They gave up thirteen runs this series. The Braves bullpen did. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. This team's Achilles' heel is their bullpen, but every bullpen is terrible. 
Uh, I mean, they've, they've got problems. We've known about them this entire time, even as they've been winning. Uh, yeah. But if Scherzer but, comes back and he's, you know, the guy that he was at the beginning of this season, if he's mm-hmm. the guy, the future Hall of Famer that he's been since he's been a Nat, I mean, you got to like their odds in a one-game playoff against yeah. whoever. I, and that's I think we'll talk about that next. I mean, we saw. I mean, this week the Arizona Diamondbacks made huge strides towards uh, towards making the playoffs. They're now only a game and a half back of the car, of the uh, Cubs, mm-hmm. um, even though they're they were sellers at the deadline. You know, I think this team has always been a team that underperformed this year. They had a positive run differential. They were hovering. They were in this weird purgatory where they were either two games over five hundred or two games under five hundred, and then right. something kind of clicked for them in the recent weeks, and they won this. They've had a really soft run. schedule lately. Yeah, and they went on this incredibly hot run, where yeah. they've been able to take advantage of their soft schedule and, you know, get back into the wild card discussion. And so, you know, from just looking at their team, they have an MVP candidate in Ketel Marte. They have another great bat in Eduardo Escobar. Um, I mean, Christian Walker's been great for them this year. That offense is not is no joke. I mean, for me though, it's their rotation that's they've had some guys show up big. Alex Young has been great for them. Zach Gallant, since he's been acquired, has been lights out for them. You know, even though they've tra- they traded away Zach Greinke, which you can make an argument was not a terrible move for a team that you know was going in the direction they were going, in, and they got a pretty good haul from him. They were um, a game under five hundred at the time, though. I mean, yeah. I, I love the Gallon move. I loved it when they made it. I understand yeah. what the Marlins were doing there, but I don't know. I mean, pitching talent that is that close to the major leagues—it's already. I mean, they already made multiple starts in the major leagues. To to give up on a player like that uh, just for another lottery pick, to keep trading for lottery picks after lottery picks—you know—someone said earlier this week that that's how you win cheaply, and they're right. But sometimes you might win cheaply that way, or sometimes, and more likely, you just don't win at all. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think, I mean, it's time to really start talking about the Diamondbacks as a real contender for the wild card spot. Uh, I think they'd probably start Robbie Ray. Yeah, uh, Robbie Ray would probably be their guy. He's probably their best pitcher. You know, he's had the best track record. He, right. you know, whether or not statistically he's the best pitcher this year is in, on, on question. But if, if any of those guys, I don't know if I trust Gallon of rookie or Alex Young of rookie in a big one game playoff, like right. I trust Robbie Ray. Um, and then and, and you Ray's know, got the best stuff of the three of them too. So, and I then mean, Archie Bradley in the bullpen has been great for them since the first half of the season. Um, yeah, I mean he's put a lot of base runners on this week, but I mean he's he's been getting the job done. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where to make of that team. I think. Well, it's not I wouldn't so much start, to make I wouldn't start Stevens Prosper against them. But. No. Um, I don't know. What, what were you going to say? I said it's not so much what to make of them. I mean, the team ahead of them, the Cubs, just lost Javi Baez probably for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been cold, very cold lately. I mean, it's certainly not out of the question that they pick up a game and a half. I mean,. Oh yeah, and no, of course it's not. They I could mean, definitely, they could definitely do it. I don't think. I mean, it's just a question of, you know, I know we don't want to talk about this, especially after this week the Nats had, but they mm-hmm. still are four and a half games up on a wild card spot, which is 
significant with about 20 games left to go. Right. Um, you know, who would you rather face in a one-game playoff? I got to say, at this point, I mean, the Cubs have a lot more veteran pitching. Uh, and mm-hmm. in a one-game playoff, you're talking a lot about who the starting pitcher you're going to face is. But the Cubs don't have a front-line guy. They've got a lot of pretty good guys. Uh, I mean, it, it's probably Lester in a one-game playoff. Uh, Lester's hittable. Yeah, uh, we've hit him this year. Yeah, and the Nats have hit him pretty well historically, uh, especially Zimmerman. So you would see Zimmerman in the lineup. Oh, you definitely uh, would. Right. I mean, see, uh, Zimmerman gets any of the Cubs guys. They're all lefties. Right. Uh, no, left. And the, the Nats have struggled against the Diamondbacks this year. I mean, it's only seven games, and they went three and four in them. But, and Steven, uh, I mean, two of those Steven Strasburgs got absolutely shelled, which we've talked about right. before. Right. I mean... Uh, Obviously, the Cubs have a lot more playoff experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, frankly, I don't know. It's it's so hard to say. It's a one-game playoff. Anything can happen. I mean, I think Lavello is a better manager than Madden is, and I think that's kind of something to think about as an in-game strategist. Yeah, I uh, mean, Madden is as good as gone unless the Cubs go on a deep playoff run this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I just, I don't know, man. Even if you've got the most advantageous matchup in the world, even if the Nats are playing the Marlins in one game <laughs> with Scherzer on the mound, you don't put the Nats' odds of winning that game at anything more than 65%. No. I mean, baseball is so hard to sort of match up on a one-game basis. Uh, it's just, like... Oh man, I, I I get a sick feeling in my stomach just thinking about a one game playoff. Uh it's gonna be miserable. Yeah. I'm gonna hate it. Well, hopefully we'll make it to that. Uh <laughs> you still gotta get there. But yeah. you know you know, Gennat's got another big week coming up against two division leaders, twins and the Braves. This is not gonna hold up anytime soon. Tough nope. schedule ahead. Hopefully they can write the ship a little bit more, you know, take some good things from today's games. And go forward. And if, if they go three and three this week, it's fine. I mean, yeah, at this I, point, I, at this point, I'm happy with them going 500 the way, this way out. Yep, they go 500. That, all the get way them through, in the playoffs. They'll, they'll make get the playoffs. them one seed. I mean, yep. not the one seed. I mean, the wild, one wild card spot. Yes. So just go 500, and I'm happy. I don't need us to go on any big stretch because at this point, it's, it, I mean, we're not catching the Braves. It's out of the question. Nope, it's over. So just keep uh, keep keep, keep winning average. Yeah, I mean, they can back their way into a playoff spot. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, hopefully, we'll be here next week. Uh, I mean, we will be here next week, but hopefully we'll be talking about positive things. Hopefully a 3-3 three and three week or better. Or better. All right, well, see you next week.